created live on Fireside. Welcome to YNS Live with NFL Thread and our new series, Pivot. You guys, you know I say this all the time, but I am so excited for this for so many reasons. First, because Cynthia and I um, are so excited to have this new series, Pivot, where we really can dive in and speak to players that have left the league and what it is like. And what I am so excited about is that we're going to get the perspective from Cynthia when her husband left the league versus her son. So welcome, Cynthia and Michael. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having us. I mean, the thing that, um, and again, anyone that has kind of followed our show and followed us, Cynthia and I, we have we have a, a long history and we've shared it a lot in the beginning, but we probably haven't talked about it in a long time. Right, Cynthia? Probably. Yep. And so I actually babysit. I babysat Michael when he was how old? Because I know, Cynthia, we were trying to figure this out. Um, first grade through third grade, um, maybe even a little longer. Right. Which is just, right. And which is so wild to now be able to have him on stage talking with us because I've obviously followed Michael's journey because of, you know, when you, when anyone that is, you know, in the audience that knows when you babysit, you have a connection with the family and it's always like a long time connection. And, you know, not only with the Zordiches, but uh, Cynthia's sister, the Tuscani. So we have followed this forever. So I'm like so excited just to dive in and really um, just talk about it. So Michael, um, just welcome. And Cynthia, do you want to add anything in the beginning here? Well, yes, we have to mention Mrs. Williams, you know, the kid, Michael's kindergarten teacher, all the kids' kindergarten teacher, and your mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> was, wasn't she the best, Michael? She was. She really I, was. I, we loved her. <laughs> and you know what's funny is that she also, I mean, because she was a kindergarten teacher in town, and she really is just a pure, just like a good to the bones. Like every single bone in her body is really good. Um, I think pretty much for her whole life. I don't know that she's actually ever done anything that's like naughty. My mom is like really pure. And so, and kindergarten teacher kind of just sums that up really well. But I remember we would always babysit. So my sisters and I would, and my brother even would babysit because she would be like, oh, this family, you know, is here. They, they need a babysitter. And she would always connect us with people. So, mm-hmm. which is, which is really special. Um, and Michael, I don't know if you know this uh, about when I was babysitting you guys, one of the things when I first started my podcast, Your Next Stop, I remember right away, I was like, I have to have... I have to have Cynthia on. I have to have um, Cynthia on because I remember being like 16, 17 year, years old and really being like, wow, this is so interesting to me. And that's right when your mom started taking pictures for the Eagles, um, which we'll get into it. But I just remember being you know, a, a young girl, a teenager being like, I kind of want to be like her when I get older, like the relationship you guys had with your dad and just how like your mom was always just like, Hey, yeah, we're going to go do this. And we're going to do this and always seems so relaxed and wonderful. And I know when I had my kids, there was a lot of times where I wanted to emulate, you know, what your mom did. And also your aunt, aunt Tina, I always would laugh because I'd be like, you know, Oh, see, Tina and I have that bedroom with with all the, you know, the clothes that are everywhere, (laughs) which I know she's probably gonna be like, yeah, thanks for throwing me under the bus. (laughs) No, it's funny you say that though, because she is uh, a lot of positive energy coming out of my mom, and she's just, she's cool, she's fun. I mean, even when we were in high school, we'd have friends over, and half the girls would stay upstairs and sit around the kitchen talk with my mom, because you know it's fun and good talk. Mm-hmm. 
And that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. I do, before we dive into this, anyone that is in the audience, um, we can do, and Michael, you can do this as well, and Cynthia, we can kind of do it together. If you click those two little dots uh, or two little lines down to the left, we can all broadcast this to the world. So we can share it with um, our followers. We can send it to any of our friends and family, and they actually can listen to this which is really cool. They can listen to this as we are speaking and they, we don't even realize that they're there. So I'm going to be actually even sending it to my mom, which I know she'll um, really enjoy. And I did tell her she, I think is with my my brother's kids right now. So she might not be able to jump on, but anyone in the audience to do that, because this just gets this message out even more, which is just really, um, again, it's going to be really fun because we're really going to dive into um, kind of just your guy's life. <laughs> Not, not, not to throw it out there like that um, and make no. it sound creepy. No, it's okay. awesome. I, I'm, I, I'm so excited because as it turns out, like this year especially, there's so many of the women that I got to know and befriend in the league that have kids going in and, or, you know, just, just that just signed, you know, like Erica Lasseter's son just signed, you know, Joyce Turner's son just signed, you know, yes. and like for me, I'm like, I saw these kids as like, you know, babies. And so I kind of know where they're heading. So for me, I love to tell these kind of like tales, like this is what I went through. And, you know, you kind of learn something from it, you know? And so I think it's pretty nice generationally to kind of like share your story to just a hundred percent, hundred percent. But what, and that's, I mean, the thing is, and I think you had said that, which I was like, you know what, that's so interesting because you're right versus, you know, being the wife or spouse versus being a mother. So I first want to jump in and just ask Michael really quick, what are some of your earliest memories? And before you answer, there's, I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of segue. I talk a lot about memories that we think of, and then also memories that we feel. And, and they're two different things. Sometimes we can't actually picture the, you know, the actual memory, but we have that feeling like when we look back at our, our childhood and it's that feeling, that energy that gets you excited. So I would love to know kind of like whether it's a memory or a feeling, what are some of your earliest memories? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a little bit of both. Um, uh, pretty much like, you know, you think about growing up and everybody has their own type of normal, right? And we basically grew up in the locker room, you know, going to the vet with my dad. We play video games with like all the rookies in the locker room. And like we saw them just surrounded by football players. So that was my normal. So, you know, ever from when I was very little, that was exactly who I always wanted to be. It was, and I thought I knew that already. Like I knew who I was and I knew who I was going to be. So, you know, you kind of feel that in a sense that it's not a big dream because it's reality, it's, it's where you're from. So I know I always thought that that was kind of interesting. And, I, you know, I remember when I first got to the Panthers and getting in the locker room, you think you'd be like, ooh, ah, over the scene and being in an NFL stadium. And it just kind of just felt normal. You know, it was just like, I've been here before. Right, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, I know I've, um, you know, spoken to sons that went into the police force or the fire department or, you know, the, you know, a law firm or a doctor. And it is that, that similar thing. You see your parent grow up and it is, it is different because it's like, okay, this is what they're doing. What is my path going to do? And where is that going to lead me? And so it's very interesting that when you were in that locker room, it was kind of like, yeah, this feels like home. Um, Cynthia, I would love for you to tell the story. Cause when you told me this, I think my mouth like hung. Cause I was like, that is the coolest thing. Um, Dallas versus Arizona Cardinals, the day that Michael Vincent, and I'm sorry, I have to call you Michael Vincent because, <laughs> because no, I just do. A lot, a lot of people do. 
true. Michael Vincent. I love it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I was glad I shared that with you, but it is Michael. It is a really cool story. Oh, it's awesome. Um, it is awesome. So cool. When I was, Michael's, you know, of course, my first, and we were in Arizona, and Michael was playing for Coach Gene Stallings. And I went into what Michael called fake labor. <laughs> he called he called Coach Stallings and said, "My wife is in fake labor right now." And he had a game in Dallas, so he, they were flying out. And Coach Stallings, he said, "Son, my wife Ruth Ann, she would want me there, but son, <laughs> I need you here. <laughs> yeah, I need you at this game." And I was like. Michael, like we were young and he was new and green and there wasn't any question for us that he was going to be at the game, but he stayed for the labor for Michael's labor pretty long. And then he got on the phone to call his dad. Like, what should I do? I don't know what to do. And I was like, Michael, you're going to that game. You have to go to that game. So he caught a late flight to Dallas and my sister and my girlfriend, Michelle Deal were with me with Michael Vincent. And, um, it was a party. We were having so much fun waiting for Michael. And um, <laughs> to the point that, you know, the doctors were coming in and we were giggling and laughing. And then my sister decided that 10, 29, 89 sounded better than 10, 28, you know, 89. So we <laughs> waited till midnight. And um, so it turns out that, you know, here we're in Arizona, so it's a different time. And Michael V is born. And I'm just like kind of shaky and everything. And they say, you have to tell Michael. And so I was like, oh, no, no, we'll tell him in the morning because he has a game and he's sleeping. And they're like, no, no, you'll tell him. So they put me on the phone. The next thing I know, I'm talking to Larry Wilson, who is like, if anybody knows the game, he's a Hall of Fame DB that my husband idolized. And so it was kind of weird that I was telling Larry Wilson about Michael being born. So I said, can you tell Michael in the morning that he had a son and his name is Michael Vincent? And he started laughing. He's like, I'll, I'll tell him right now. You know, I will tell him right now. So Michael, my husband, got a knock on the door in the middle of the night. Larry Wilson tells him he has a son. So that was cool enough as it was. Well, then Michael goes on to play the game. And at Dallas, you know, the Cardinals, you know, at that time, especially Dallas was just huge. And he ended up having this seriously insane game to the point that he had an um, interception that he ran back for a touchdown, which won the game. So in the USA Today, the next day, it said, uh, kids first um, gift, dad's game ball. Right, Michael? <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. Baby's first toy, dad's game ball. Yeah, that was really, really cool. And he had a cigarette burn on his face for all the new baby pictures because they were all partying on the bus on the way back. And somebody <laughs> turned and squirched him right in the cheek. <laughs> I mean, that to me is like the coolest, coolest story. And then Cynthia, you even took it a little bit further because you told me about how the doctors kept coming in and saying, hey, there's a bunch of people that want to talk to you. And you're like, I, well, I just had the baby. Okay. Because anyone that knows Cynthia, that's one of the things now spending time with her, you really are very calm and collective. You're like, yeah, you just kind of let things roll, which is such a beautiful way. So can you tell us a little bit about that story? Um, yeah, well, the next day, um, first of all, my mother bought me this terrible striped moo <laughs> to wear, you know, after birth. <laughs> so I had that on. <laughs> I'm like feeding Michael V. Michael came in and we were having like that time together. And so one of the nurses came in and said, hey, there's um, somebody here that wants to photograph you guys. Um, 
do you, you know, do you mind me coming in? So I was feeding him. I'm like, oh, sure. You know, we'll just, I'll finish feeding him and then, you know, they can come in. And then I forgot, you know, we were just talking everything. And then she came back in and she said, um, they, they said that they have a deadline of some sort. So can you, can they come in now? So I was like, oh, oh yeah. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I totally forgot. So she opens the door and every single newspaper and television station from Arizona came into our room and surrounded <laughs> us. So it was like all, on all the news, you know, back in the day, every news station had their own story. You didn't just use each other's footage. And so it was like right. plastered everywhere in the papers. And like Michael, my husband, he looked so beautiful. He's holding Michael. Michael V looked so precious. And I looked like somebody blew me up. <laughs> I looked like. Well, I, you did I, just I, have I, a baby. Fair. <laughs> yeah, was, very fair. I was laughing and I had this straight thing on. And so I, I sent it to my mother. so excited. And she's like, what the hell are you wearing? I'm like, you. You bought that from me. <laughs> She's like, not for the, not for the newspaper. You know, right. your so, but um, we had those, those, those um articles mean the world to us. And yeah, I still have the, that in yeah, the ball. In the ball. Well, in the ball. I mean, yeah. that's what a special moment. I mean, and we talk about this a lot, your mom and I, and on really on all my podcasts. But there's moments, um you know, whether you believe in the God, you know, God or the universe, I believe in God. So I love when God kind of just comes together and really blows things up and just makes something so special. So how special for your family to, you know, have that story because stories connect us, right? When your mom first told me that story, I was like, oh my God, you need to tell this all the time. How did you not tell me this before? This is like an unbelievable story. It makes me so happy. And I can picture like your mom does such a great job because I really picture being there and knowing, you know, now that I have my own kids, you know, having all these people come in right after you have a baby. I mean, you, you, you know, it's, and your mom as cool as it come, you know, you still kind of feel like a little beat up. <laughs> oh, it was I'm, so funny. Yeah. <laughs> you can only imagine, but it is wild when like the stars align that way. And, you know, it's just, Mm -hmm. just out of your control. It just happens. It's really cool. Right. And so I love, I want to go back a little bit to your first memories again, Michael. So, you know, being in the locker room, um, I know that you guys, you know, your, your eighth birthday was at Dave and Butch, uh, Busters. Do you remember that? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Like glimpses, you know, when you're young, you don't remember yeah. everything, but like I said, you're just surrounded by, you know, guys like Kevin Turner and Rhett Hall and uh, Andy Harmon, like all these just like mountains of men. And it was just, again, my normal, but uh, you know, that was when Guns N' Roses and Pearl Jam and all that, you know, they got their bandanas on, they're right. just huge and just so cool. All of them, and they would play with us all the time. And, mm. you know, it seems so spoiled, right? Like to be around that, like that's, your day to day. And uh, I, it's just something that I think stuck with me in a sense that how you carry yourself, what you want to be like, what kind of man do you want to like stand like? And those were my examples. So, you know, maybe I was spoiled. <laughs> no, but you know what? And this is what, and I really think anyone that has kids or know, knows kids, you guys were also special kids. And I'm not just saying that, but like you were cool kids. Like I remember just babysitting you and being like, oh, they're cool. I mean, not all kids are cool. Some kids can be really <laughs> annoying. Um, 
And you guys just really were. You rolled with the punches. You kind of just, you know, you were always really polite, but you also were like curious. So like you weren't just the quiet kids that stood there. I mean, sometimes we all have our moments, but you guys got into it and you like would talk to people and ask questions. And those kind of kids, at, you know, for adults, those are the kind of kids that you want around. Like, you know, that's like special and fun. So I would never call it spoiled because it really is your life. You know, you were fortunate, you were blessed. Those are, you know, more of the words that I kind of think about when you think about your story. Yeah. Well, a lot of what you just said are both my parents' personalities and maybe they just kind of like seep into you as you're in your upbringing. I think they did an awesome job with us of, you know, being raised like in a football family, you know, NFL football players tend to make a lot of money and you could get caught up in that world. But our, our upbringing, uh, they did an awesome job of just keeping us grounded and keeping things normal and, you know, keeping us around our friends and just, just, you know, just letting us see what like life is actually all about, what it really is. And that sounds deep now, but you know, in retrospect, thinking that thinking back on it, it makes total sense. And when we were little kids, we had no idea that that was what they were doing. Maybe they didn't even do it intentionally, but that's how it all went down. It's it's interesting you say that because um, we always kid that we raised the kids in a tailgate, but like our, our goal was never really to get to get rid of them or to you know do our own thing. Our goal was to hang out with them, and you know they got to know our friends, and they were always so respectful to our friends, and our friends were very respectful to them. And then when the tables turned and it was their turn to bring their friends into our lives, you know I feel like I hope that we are always respectful to their friends. And we got to know them independently, just like they got to know our friends independently. And it just kind of, it worked in that full circle. Now that we look on, you know, look back on it. I feel like I don't even re- really look at my kids' friends as that anymore. I, I talk to them on my own. And, and I know, Michael, when you went to the Panthers, one of the first people you saw was Ricky Prohl, who was one of those guys that you knew as a little boy. And he's like, last time I saw you, you had blueberry all over your face. <laughs> Remember that? Yeah, absolutely. And again, that, uh, that kind of like goes back to walking in there and like things are normal. You know, that was <laughs> Ricky Pro was there. I, I, used to, I loved him growing up. And then here he is. He's a coach on the staff and the team I just signed with. It was really cool. So cool. Cynthia, I'm going to ask you just to move your hair a little bit behind it, scratching a little bit on the mic. You got it. Yep. Perfect. Thanks. Okay. So then I want to talk about fourth grade is when you really started football. Your dad was your coach. What, what did that mean to you? Um, every, uh, everything, you know, it was like, finally, finally we get to play. I think it was actually fifth grade was my first year. Cause that was when my dad started. So that was, you know, okay. it was like, when you're going to start when I did. And, uh, it was awesome to have him on the, like as a coach, obviously, but he was never the type of dad that was pushy or going to like, you're going to do this. You're going to play. It was, it was always like, you know, be who you want to be, do what you want to do. But if you're going to do this, do it right. And, uh, just growing up in Youngstown, especially, you know, there's a lot of tradition there, a lot of, a lot of football tradition and it instills like a certain attitude and a lot of lessons that you learn. I mean, my, my grade school coach, Ken Kohler, he's still coaching these kids now. Same, same field. Um, we would practice at night from six to seven thirty, and the parents would pull their cars up and turn their headlights on, and that was how they lit the practice field. And he would wear these like old cotton shorts, uh, boots, and a wife beater every day to practice. That was who. Right. And uh, he just still does the very same thing. Drives the same van, and I think that's like indicative of Youngstown. Really, you know, not a lot of change, but uh, but a lot of. Um, there's a mentality there. 
I mean, that's so special. And I have to say, and when your mom comes back, she can touch on this too, but we had um, Rachel on who her, she's a track coach to her kids. And um, what I loved is that she would say, when she is coaching her kids, she wears the coach's hat. When she's the mom, she wears, you know, the mom hat. And she said, sometimes it's really, um, the lines can get really fine. Uh, did you ever feel like your dad was holding back or, you know, there was times where he, it was, he was more the dad on the field or was he coach on the field? No, he was always coach and he does a good job. I mean, that, I think that's why he's still coaching today of, you know, pulling you to the side when he needs to and saying it more personal, you know, like, and once he realized that I was really into this and, you know, he would get more involved on the field, but it was never, uh, he never stepped on other coaches toes or anything like that. It was just kind of like, a, you know, he knew how much it mattered to me and that, that I cared. So he was, you know, he was around and he was there and he, you know, he was with me for it. I and you know what I love that? Yeah. And what I love that you said is that your dad knew it was something that you wanted to do. And I think that is something special of your family that I know. It wasn't that you were pushed into the game. It was like, okay, let's see where this is. It's not something that you <laughs> you have to you have to do. It is, let's see if this is what you're meant to do. And that again, you know, really brings us back to God or the universe. It's like we all have a path. We have to find it. And I, you know, just knowing your family, uh, and and as you grew and just hearing little bits, it was like, you know, this is something Michael Vincent really, he's really taken to, he's really good at, but he really wants it. And, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Cynthia, do you, is, is, do you want to add or just Chucky yelling? Sorry. Yeah, I had Chucky situations. No, I, I love that. Um, the, the, the memories I have and the, the images I, I have, the stories that that connection that my boys have with their dad because of that time together is you can't, it's so special. It was the greatest decade of my husband's life. I like. Yeah, it really was. I mean, I remember there was a time when I was in like sixth grade and you know how other parents and other dads can be. And people were talking about me because I wasn't performing like my dad did. And it's like, you're comparing a sixth grade kid <laughs> right. to an NFL football player. Like, come on guys. Like he's a kid. Right. And I remember like, it would annoy me, but like I was quiet about it, and he, but he could tell. And so he pulled me aside and talked to me. He was like, hey, do you, like, don't listen to all that. Do you want to do this? Like, is this what you want? And I was like, yes, like, absolutely. And he was like, all right, then we're going to do it right. And, ever, and from that day on, he like w would work with me just kind of in my head, just like keeping positive energy, keep, you know, confidence and like letting me know that like that is a bunch of bullshit what they're saying. You can just go have fun. This is a game. Remember. And from then on, it just kind of built and. Like my mom said, you know, through high school, everything, we, he was on the field with us. And those memories are really strong emotional memories that we, we, we always have. And I think about him a lot with that because he, you know, he could have went right into coaching after he retired, uh, but he stepped out so he could coach us and he did it for 10 years. And that's a mm -hmm. big sacrifice because he just got back into coaching and you know how things go. And so it, uh, it meant a lot what he did. I know me and my brother talk about that often. And he'll say, that was a very selfish decision. I did it for myself. I wasn't going to miss it, you know. But, you know, Michael, you reminded me of something I forgot about. Because, um, you know, I can say this, that you're a very sensitive person. You know, you always were a very sensitive person. And sometimes people see big guys and they think that for some reason that they are not capable of being sensitive. But he always was. He never wanted to hurt anybody's feelings. But sometimes he would get hurt, you know, by that kind of like, 
people might insinuate, you know, that he was doing what he was doing because of his connections to his dad. That's not true. You know, you right. pay if you're good and that's it. And I remember like we always had this thing where I, I don't know why I look back on this and think, why was I like this? But I didn't let the, <laughs> I didn't let the put, kids put posters on their walls in their bedrooms. <laughs> that's almost like not even fair, but I did do that. <laughs> and um, I remember saying to Michael one time, like, Hey, listen, I give you permission to mark up your walls with every negative thing that anybody ever says about you, because maybe you could use that as something because you're not going to get that here. Like we're certainly not going to say anything to you to, to give you that edge or to give you that chip, you know, but if it helps you and you can use that to make you angry, to, to make you do something that you want to do, do that because, you know, they're, they're going to say it. So you're going to have to do something with it. So rather than let it bury you, why don't you just let it kind of like, you know, give you that kind of like energy or whatever. So he um, he started to handle it really, really well when I think he really came into his own. And that's just hard work and nature, you know, and talent. But he did, I think, when you got to that point where, I mean, my God, he's fourth grade. You know, the people are saying, oh, you know. I know. And, and that has to be, I mean, that's again, I mean, my kids and I talk about this often, especially my boys, um, talking about professional athletes and their kids and that pressure on that kid before it is even what their path is. And, you know, we say like that, you have to be a special family, special son, special father, special parent, mother to navigate those waters because people can be so cruel. I don't know why people can be so cruel and so judgy and, oh, and, and so having, you know, you could hear in your voice, Michael, when you were talking about that, like that definitely was something that was a, a turning point because your dad was like, listen, we're going to take that. And as your mom said, and go, because that had to been all the time, like people comparing you and you're a different person, right? You have different parents. You have, yeah, you have, you know, the, the your father, but you also have your mother and then you have other things and there's genes. And so when people do that, I think it's so harmful, um, you know, even just for any, any kid, any family to have people judge that. And, and especially when you're in fourth grade. And so I love that, that that's how your, your family handled it. It was like, you know what? I mean, and as you said, you laugh, like I'm in fourth grade. I'm my dad's an NFL player. Just give me some time. I'm just learning. Right. And not even just learning. Like I just, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm just trying to have fun. You know, like uh, it's, yes, I want to play football, but it, is it that serious right now? You right. Know? And you know, people get kind of caught up. I think that, um, the using the negative energy and the, and the anger to, as a motivator was like a big switch that hit. And that was once I like really started playing. And then, you know, once high school came and you started like actually to come like coming yourself and coming into your own, uh, that kind of, I, you know, it was very easy to laugh off because of that early lesson on, you know, block out that noise that they, they have no idea what's going on in your head. And then, uh, just kind of using that as a, as a motivator on the field, you know, it was, uh, it was a cool life lesson that, you know, honestly, we didn't like sit down and talk about all the time. We just kind of naturally handled it together and, right. you know, it like eased its way into, into fruition. Exactly. Which I love. And, and Cynthia, did you want to add something there? Well, I just, um, the one thing that I really loved and appreciated is that, um, you know, Cardinal Mooney High School, you know, going from that fourth grade up and in, now into high school, um, you know, just, it was a powerhouse and um, the, the, the talent that was on the team, it was, 
extraordinary. It was unbelievable. Like Michael, how many guys did you have that went D one that year? Uh, your senior nine, nine, nine. guys. Eight I mean, that's guys. insane, right? Nine that's guys. insane. Nine guys, but as good as they all were, and and I was especially proud of Michael. They still were just having fun. Right. They, they were actually fun even on the field. I mean, of course, they were just like creaming everybody and they all just were high skill, but they still were genuine gentlemen. They were still like good guys on the field, you know, even to the opposing teams. Right, Michael? Yeah, yeah. It was just fun. It was, yeah, you know, high school football. Fun. You're supposed right. to have fun playing it. We were just friends, you know, playing football. So, <laughs> right. Which is really, yeah, which is really special. And then this segues me, this is perfect the way this <laughs> just lined up, but this takes me to that you were recruited by every major school as a linebacker and you chose Penn State. Can you tell us a little bit about what Penn State means to you and why you chose Penn State? Yeah, uh, it always meant a little something to me. Obviously, my parents went there and uh, we would go to games, but it was never an obnoxious thing in the family. You know, I was never going there. It was, you know, it, was, it wasn't like written uh, in stone. But um, I we went on a visit one time and you know, I went on, went to other schools and, you know, here you hear spiels from all the coaches and, you know, everybody ends up in their own way saying the same thing. Um, but I remember we went to Penn state and my grandma came, my grandpa came, my great grandma came and my mom and dad. And, uh, I think it like, I don't even know if Joe talked to me the whole time he was in the corner. I saw him talking with grandma, grandpa, he remembered all the names. He's asking about aunts and uncles and cousins. And this is from the eight, this is from 86. So cool. So, yeah. So I just remember I was sitting there thinking, like, what am I doing? What am I even thinking about? Like, this is what the game is about. Let's 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 go here. This is where I'm supposed to be. And it was just that easy. Right. You know, I made the decision quick and it was cool, too, because then I got to just embrace my senior year and enjoy my friends and not have to, you know, worry about any big decisions. It was already made and it was already done. Yeah, I mean, and and I just want to say because you know now I played I played two college sports and I remember that pressure of like, okay, you need to know where you're going, you know. And and on my when we played Morristown was you know I mean the girls we won states and field hockey and lacrosse we were a huge powerhouse, and so I remember someone would sign, someone would sign, and you'd be like, okay, is it my turn? And it is a pressure that um, sometimes is undo. So like to know, okay, this is really cool. This is where I'm going. Now, as you said, I can enjoy my senior year. I can go, you know, to that next, um, to that next state. So talk a little bit about um, being a player at Penn State. Um, that, I, that was some of my like most fun football was, was being there. We had a nice team, like nice camaraderie, a lot of great friends. But that pressure that you talk about, you know, making those decisions, I feel like a lot of it is external. It's other people mm-hmm. and other oh, boys yeah. and, you know, media and all that stuff. And again, you are essentially a kid. You're 17 years old. You're just you're just having fun. So you're not thinking you're not putting that much on it. And, uh, you know, it was it was just so great to make that decision and then get there and then, you know, once you get there, you realize how home, how home it is and it's family. And I, I mean, fit right in with all the guys and just had so much fun playing there. Uh, it was just really cool. Kind of surreal. You know, once you really make the decision to go there, you're like, wow, my dad played here. My mom went here. It's, it ended up like kind of just becoming me. And it was really great. Loved every, every second of it. Right. Which is so special. Cynthia, did you want to add something? Well, it, it just, it, it became him, but he became so much part of it. I'm like so proud of Michael's legacy at Penn State and everything that Michael and 
seniors did at Penn State in that 2012 year when it was really about having to save the program and save our legacy, save what we worked hard for. Um, I feel like they, they, they did so much, not, you know, they did it for the game and they did it for themselves. They did it for their friendships, but they, it, they, they, they knew it and they realized that it was a, a bigger purpose as well. And what they did there um, in staying when they ha- were all free to leave during all the sanctions at Penn State in 2012 with Coach O'Brien. To me, like uh, I went to Penn State and, and my son and my husband, like they have a mark on Penn State. That to me is like unbelievable. Like, and I'm really proud of all of those boys and all that year and everything that they did for, for right. all of us. Right. I mean, and and that, again, is, I mean, I remember, you know, because I remember being like, oh, Michael goes there. Oh, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to Penn State. What a heartbreak. Like, you know, Penn State is football. You know, even where, where I grew up, it was like you knew that was a football powerhouse. And the fact that, Cynthia, as you said, you guys went there and it was a legacy. I mean, take us a little bit. And then, Michael, I would love for you to, to touch on it as well. But, I mean, as you said, how proud you were, what Michael did, because he could have left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all could have left. And like what Michael and Mott's and Coach O'Brien and Matt McGloin and John Herschel, um, you know, they they kind of rallied together and said, you know, we have to kind of like, we have to remind everybody why we should stay. You know, like everybody's telling us we can go, but we need to talk about why we should stay. And it became like this strategic kind of circle of just everybody just, you know, tapping into the emotions of everybody. And sometimes you just need to be, have somebody point out to you, like, what, you know, what does this mean if you leave, you know, but what does it mean if you stay? Right. And um, at the time, John Bacon was following Michael um, V and Michael Motti to write a book called Fourth and Long. So he just accidentally was documenting every single part of the journey. And it was really, it was incredible that he was there for that. So it was also really helpful to really be able to process later because I I don't want to speak for you, Michael, but I think at the time you guys were just in survival mode. So it really took evaluating it later to really appreciate what, what had gone down and what you guys did, huh? No, absolutely. Cause we were focused on the now of things, you know? Um, I just think that that whole, that whole, series of events it's kind of odd how natural we we all handled it and i think it goes back to how we were raised and what we grew up in you know your type of normal um you know what football meant to us was more than just like a way out it was more than a than a like a success story it was we, we were playing for the game and like the love of the game and you know what the game means to you and that was how we that was what i grew up around you know teammates locker room you know have each other's back you know more so who you are as a man than what you are as a player. And, you know, those, those, those kind of decisions are, are very small in like in, in the instant, like in the now, but then down the road, they kind of snowball into like a much bigger effect. And, you know, I've all the positions I've played and the way I've always played the game is it's always been like a shared emotion for me, you know, selfless kind of thing. I like really delve into that. I really love that aspect of the game you know sacrifice yourself for your teammate i i just you know that's that's something that matters to me so when everything happened and the sanctions hit and the sandusky thing you know it's it's so terrible what happened but the sanctions were you know they hit and we kind of uh it was almost without question we were like well we can't we can't leave like we just spent four years 
playing together, practicing together, working together. Like this is our senior year and we're all just going to like split up and go elsewhere. Who are we going to be on that team? You know, we're just some other guy now. Like we had relationships that were built. It was a serious bond. So it's funny how a smaller thing can impact such a bigger thing because we were really protecting ourselves in that game and, you know, Saturdays in the stadium. And in doing that, we had an impact on the whole university and how, you know, we kind of flipped the script on the sanctions and what people thought about Penn State football because of us just wanting to play the game together. And I think that that's pretty powerful how simple it can be. And, and you know what I love so much is that that was Sandusky's story. That wasn't your story. Mm-hmm. And so you created your, your own story. You didn't let what he did and the terribleness that he did take you guys down and tarnish that. That was his story. And so, you know, from what you did, and again, I remember, you know, following this and being like, I babysat him, <laughs> you know, <laughs> talking about it. Um, because you really, and again, as you said, the way you were brought up, the love for the game is so apparent in you, even when you speak, you know, the love for the game. Um, and I think that's what's so important. And so many people lose sight of that. It's again, as you said, it's, it's the notoriety, it's this and that, but you, and even knowing your dad, like you guys love the game. Like you, that's, that is so in, you know, ingrained in you. Um, so, I know there was a documentary, you know, it's called Saving the Roar. Can you tell people where they can find that and a little bit about that? I mean, it is the story. Yeah, Michael Nash um, out of Beverly Hills Productions uh, called us and they wanted to tell the story. And it was something that we knew was going to eventually happen. But we were like, you know, kind of skeptical on who's going to tell it, how it's going to be told, what it's going to turn into. And we got to know him and he's so awesome and just very true. So we were we were immediately signed on with him. We were like, let's do this. And he really told the story from our perspective, which was interesting because nobody had really heard our side of the story. It had been, you know, the ESPNs and the CNNs of the world telling the Penn State story. And it just really, a lot of it wasn't true. And uh, it was cool to get our our stuff out there. And uh, it ended up being, it was one of those things where I left Penn State and got right into the, you know, NFL trying to, trying to go there. And so you kind of put all the, everything that just happened on the back burner and just focus on, you know, who your dream that you had your whole life, you know? So once, you know, once you got into that, you move on, you move on. And we hadn't really talked about it at all until this, you know, documentary came to be. And it ended up being like this almost therapeutic open, like we just opened up and we were like, wow, I I didn't realize how much I was holding in because of that, because I just kind of locked it away. And uh, it was right. really, really cool, very powerful. And if you want to check it out, you can watch it at savingtheroar.com yeah. and uh, they'll stream it. It is, uh, it's, I'm really happy with how they did it. Right. Yes. I Cynthia, want them to get on Netflix. I really, I'm hoping and they're working on it, but it, it is a story of any kind of bond, you know, whether mm-hmm. your community's bonding or your team is bonding, but to see individuals like, for instance, a coach O'Brien who, put himself in a position position to allow seniors to give him good advice about how they should navigate this and to listen. Like to me, it's just everybody just stripped away their rules and just said like, this is all about us and, and what should we do here? So it's yeah, really worth seeing, right, babe? It is. It really is. Yeah. And uh, we look back on it now, like uh, me and my teammates and, you know, it's, it's silver linings, right? Mm-hmm. As bad as everything seemed, it, uh, it kind of forced us into our own little bubble, but it also, we got to a point where once we realized we were feeling the team and we were going to play, it was like, 
hey, we only have Saturdays. We can't go. We can't go to a championship. We're not going to a bowl game. We can't do any. We have twelve games, and that's all we have together. So like, let's make every single one count. Let's have a blast doing it. And we were able to just enjoy the game without having to worry about all the outside BS. So ironically, it like brought us closer to the game and each other, which I thought was really cool. I, you know, I take that away with me. Like that's a very beautiful thing that happened. So beautiful. I mean, and you guys created your own story and that's, what's mm -hmm. beautiful. You gave Penn state a positive story and you spun it that way because it was a positive story. How you guys sat there and said, no, we're not going to leave. This is, this means too much to us. We love the game. We love our, our university. And so mm -hmm. I think that's amazing. Um, standing guard for Joe Paterno. Uh, I mean, what did that mean, you know, when you got that call? Yeah, that was a powerful moment because me and uh, Joe were very close. We had our own little special relationship. Uh, I'm, I was considered, I guess, an old school player, you know, the way I played. And it was right up his alley. And, I, you know, he loved every bit of that. Plus, he, you know, he coached my dad. And, you know, we were just we had our own little thing. Yeah. So to be able to stand there, like, you know, it was very emotional, just, just a lot of memories, a lot of like thoughts just running through, through your head. I mean, he was so special and so important in the making of, you know, me as a football player, just basically on how you approach the game, how you how you handle things and how you how you, you know, work your, with your teammates. He uh, had a huge impact on me and I think on the team and how we responded to that, you know getting to know coach O'Brien and I love coach O'Brien so much and, and that, you know, we were able to form this relationship that we still have today. Um, but he was dealing with a lot of Joe guys too, that, that uh, learned those lessons and saw the game a certain way. And he, he loved it. Like he, he was all about it and he let us, he really embraced that. And then we were able to embrace him in doing so we were, you know, we were able to handle everything. But uh, when they asked me to stand next to Joe, I just remember like, wow, what an honor, you know, like what an honor it's a very powerful thing. So powerful. Cynthia, mm -hmm. did you want to add anything there? No, it was incredible. I mean, just to, to see the boys. And then, of course, Michael Motti, he's like one of our own. And, you know, he, he was, you know, got to speak um, on the behalf of the team for Joe. It was just really special to see these two boys. And his father had played as well at, at Penn State. So it was just a, a really, as terrible it was and as terrible it was for all the victims and anybody that, was affected by everything that happened. You're right, Michael, it's silver linings. There are, you know, whenever there's any kind of tragedy, you know, you have to pull together as a community or as a team or as a family, and you have to, you have to survive it. You know, you just have to find a way to survive it. And I think by focusing on what was one thing that you could control, which was you showing up on Saturdays, that did have that like that effect that kind of trickled out and was a nice mm -hmm. ripple effect of survival for a lot of people um, while we were all mourning for so many different reasons. Mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, so so much history, so many stories. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to take us to draft day. So we're 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 jumping. Um, I mean, which I know again, being being your babysitter, I was like, ooh, what's my? You know, this is so exciting. Like, and knowing again your family and just what good people and how hard you guys have worked and how much you have loved the game. You know, to know that this is was happening that day is so because it's not guaranteed, right? There's there's no guarantees. Uh, there's no guarantees in life, period. And so this is also not a guarantee. So take us a little bit through that. 
Yeah, Can that start was. Start with that. Go ahead. Go for it. <laughs> I just have to tell something funny to intro it. So I said to Michael, I'm like, so what do you what do you want to do for draft day? You know, um, what are you thinking? And because I don't want to, I don't want to have people there. If he doesn't want people there, I don't know what he is expecting. He says, um, well, you know, no, no big deal, mom. You know, just just the family. And I said, oh, okay, cool, just family. And then so I was kind of like, I left the room. And I came back. I'm like, Michael, so like. What does that mean? <laughs> like, what does the family mean? He's like, you know, us, the family, the Pittsburgh crew, the cousins. I'm like, okay. So right. it was this huge party, like, you know, all weekend we had so everybody over, right? So then you yeah. go on. <laughs> yeah, no, it was the last day of the draft because we kind of knew that I wasn't going to get drafted or I was going to, you know, be picked up late. So once the draft ended, like as soon as it ended, my you know, phone started ringing. I had a couple options from other teams. And I just, you know, get the call and we're sitting in there talking. Uh, who was it? The Bills, the Browns, the Panthers uh, were coming up. And, my, we, you know, Ricky Prohl came. We started talking about him. And my mom, my dad and me were in the back and we were just like, it's the Panthers. We're going to go. So we made that decision and walked out. And the whole, like the whole crew, I'm in ironic because my mom said I was raised at a tailgate. Well, everybody that was at those tailgates was in the kitchen. You know, <laughs> no, I love like, it. Like Aunt Jackie, uh, Uncle Chuck, <laughs> Uncle Don. So everybody that was always partying that I grew up with at the tailgates was there. And, you know, we just announced I was going to the Panthers. Everybody like erupted. La like we were laughing. We had a lot of fun. You know, that was again, we didn't put much pressure on ourselves over it. You know, it's, it's going to happen. You know, either way, I'm going to get a shot. I knew that. That was really all I wanted. So whatever news came was good news, and uh, it was a really special day. Didn't they? Didn't everybody start singing "Sweet Caroline"? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> they, <were> singing, <laughs> they did. Everybody was singing "Sweet Caroline," and we just partied all night. It was really fun. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's so yeah, special. It was, uh, it was surreal. I remember being in the back room with my parents, and like my dad was, you know, we're sitting in the room, and he, you know, has a couple of his helmets are up there, and all this stuff, and he's uh he's on the phone and he's taking notes on who's calling this and that. And like, I just remember the piece of paper of the teams and in my dad's handwriting and I'm on the phone looking at it. And I was just like, how about this? Like, this is, you know, this is finally coming full circle. This is pretty cool. Yeah. You know? And I just remember, I remember like taking in that moment. Mm -hmm. Which is great that you could take it in, you know, but I, you know, I, I, and I can picture you guys painted that so beautifully just being with your mom at the Super Bowl, um, knowing some of those, that group, um, just a special, I mean, the love, you know, there's energy, there's love, there's excitement um, just from that. So, all right, we're going to go into the injury. Cynthia, did you want to add anything before that? Um, no, but it's actually interesting because, you know, come the good times and how, and all the people that surround you come the bad times and everybody that surrounds you. And so it was devastating. Um, you know, I was like back in the 80s in my mother in law's. Um, family room where if you jump too hard, the entertainment unit would start to come down. Right. And now we're watching Michael V and the end. And all you know, of a sudden there was a close up of Michael and I just turned to, I turned to Uncle Buzzy Michael. I'm like, why is there a close up of Michael? And um, everybody in the room turned white and I just ran out the door. I just ran. I just ran out the <sighs> door and I left. But my husband was at the game. And so Michael, you know. Yeah, that was actually really cool. He was able to make it. It was my first – we had just gone through camp, and it was our first preseason game. And it was the first kickoff, and I, you know, didn't hit anything or nothing. I just was running and dropped. My knees slipped and 
tore my ACL. So I was down there and it was actually happened right on the, like the yard line that my dad was standing on, on the field. So I just, I always thought that was kind of weird. So we go into the locker room and it's like totally empty. And it's just me and my dad in there. I'm taking off pads and I'm pissed off because like, fuck, you know, like that sucks. And it was, again, it's just so awesome to have him there with me. And it was disappointing, but at that time still, it was like, Hey, we're good. We're going to fix this thing. We'll get right back to it. And next year we're good. You know, there was never any doubt. Um, but I do remember my, it meant a lot to my dad because, uh, you know, that was my first camp and I had come out of Penn state feeling pretty good. And I was playing like some of the best football in my life that in that summer. And I was like ready to go. I honestly didn't have like any doubts about it. Like I was making the team and then that happened. And, you know, I built a lot of relate like good relationships in that short amount of time with a lot of the players. So, uh, you know, the game ends and I'm on the table with got ice on my knee and my dad's standing there and, uh, Ryan Vermillion and Sherm, the trainers are with us and, all the guys come storming in after the after the game and like all of these like heavy hitters from the Panthers, you know, Greg Olson, Steve Smith, D'Angelo Williams, um, like the whole like a lot of like the major guys who usually, you know, they're vets that have been playing for 12 years. Here's this undrafted free agent rookie gets hurt. Like usually that kind of just goes by, you know, right. they care, but it's not, you know, they came in one by one checking up on me, you know like telling me to keep my head up, this, that. And I just remember my dad was in the corner and he saw that. And I think that mattered more to him than, than anything because he saw, like, you know, the impact and, like, you know, these guys cared. And it meant a lot to me for them to take that time or even just to be thinking about me like that. And I, I'll never forget that memory. Like, that was really cool of them, you know. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and Cynthia, this is one of the things that I always wanted to kind of dive into and I've always wanted to ask, but I'm like, oh, this is a perfect situation to ask as a mother and as a, you know, a spouse, a wife, you know, as a spouse, wife, we don't so much protect our spouse and, and, you know, you know, or, or we have, we have a, a relationship with our, with our husbands. Um, and we kind of see them up here. Right. But when you have a kid that's in there, you've always protected that child. And so for you to see this happen to Michael, you know, what, what was the difference? And I don't know, did Michael senior, did he ever get injured or ever have any, um, he did. He had an injury, um, but I was too young and too in love with him as a guy, you know, as a person to be worried, you know, about right. this. I didn't know about this dream or this. I just knew that this is, you know, it's a weird when I look back on it, that I was very much just about normal life, you know, because you know, Michael's career was long, but it was not like every year in the beginning, we didn't know if he would be there or not, you know, climbing into it. And it wasn't right. until Philly that we were like, whoa, you know, right. So it was like, I just mm-hmm. kind of went along with things, but um, with your, with your, with your kids too, um, we didn't raise them to have this dream of, you know, making it to the league. We just took it, you know, here you're playing in like little league, then you're playing high school and then you're playing college. You know, we really never right. talked about it. Like Michael said, he, he probably just figured it. So um, I don't think that when it happened to Michael, I didn't have this devastated, like, oh my God, it's over. Cause you see a lot of people get injured and you just kind of feel like, you know, you're really upset about it, but I didn't feel like it was, oh, this is over. Oh my God, you know, this is over. But I do know how sensitive he is. And I did want to know how he was feeling. I did want to know what was going on in his head and his heart. So I would be able to kind of say the right things, you know, right. and, 
And, you know, Michael, am I allowed to say this? <laughs> You're going to. <laughs> <laughs> am I allowed? Well, I'm happy. <laughs> am I allowed to say this? Um, so Michael and I always, you know, shared writing and reading and we, you know, both really loved Ernest Hemingway, you know, and Jack London. And, you know, he likes, you know, some other crazy, like, you know, Hannah Thompson and stuff like that. But we always share, like, writing and reading and books. And so I was like, well, Michael, can you how can you write something for me? Because he writes a lot of dialogue. Can you write something for me so I can understand what that moment felt like for you? Mm, and so, so special. Uh, and he wrote me, like, it was, you know, it was gut-wrenching, you know, to like read what was going on. I didn't realize how far and how deep this emotion was until I, you know, read his words that were right. so beautifully. And of course, you will never let me share it. And it just frustrates me. So I think I'll put it on the back of my tombstone or something. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard that a woman did that with cookie recipe. So I'm going to do that with, with my stone. But it's so beautiful because it was um, raw and honest and it was bigger than I realized. And so I was like, from there, backed off and just allowed him to go through his rehab, which my God, the Panthers, they treated him so beautifully through his awesome rehab. Huh, Michael? Yeah. Oh, they were awesome. And yeah. again, like it didn't become the injury until like after the game was gone, you know, then it was like, shit, that really, you know, put a dent in things. Cause right. once it happened, you know, you're, you're, you, you don't question you, you, your confidence, nothing. You're like, I'm going to fix this. We're going to go back next year. So that whole year was like, there was still no questions. Just I'm going to rehab. I'm going to get better. And then, you know, you get coming to next camp. And I like, I remember getting back on the field and playing and I was just like in my head, feeling good but like damn it's not clicking the same like I don't, i'm not the same right now i'm not the same and it, it kind of showed it wasn't bad by any means but i just wasn't the same guy i was the year before and i was really getting frustrated with it you know then you know you get i got cut and then got uh i was out for a little bit started working out training trying was just waiting for phone calls just like please somebody call me give me another sh Oh, he got a phone call. <laughs> Didn't really. Sorry, I had a little. I uh, kind of. Your phone call, no worries. I, uh, you know, the, the, I get with the Saints, but practice squad didn't really get to showcase much. And, you know, got ended up getting cut from there. And just from then on, the phone, like, really just didn't ring. And then that was when it all started to, like, kind of sink in, like, shit, like, this, like, there's no way. There's no way, you know. So that was, that was when the injury became the injury and like I started to accept the fact that it happened instead of like didn't happen I'm gonna get through it you know and there was a lot of crazy times that went into that you know it does a lot to you mentally because you don't uh you know you talk about added pressure but then you get to a certain point where like you know I, I'm not trying to live up to my dad's standards or I'm not playing because of my dad it, it becomes like pressure that you put on yourself because right. it's your, your dream it's who you want to be, and it's the only thing you've ever really wanted to do. So it's like that the pressure is all yours. So it's only yours to handle. So it's kind of, it's, it, you know, it takes you to a certain place where, you know, you just, a lot, there's a lot of questions and there's a lot, of, you know, a lot of anger and it's a wild place and it's, it's, it's hard to navigate at times, you know? Right. And so I do want to ask you, because then I do want to get into the, your, your pivot. But do you think when you stepped on that field after your injury, that when you said you just didn't feel like you were playing at that level, was it um, 
in, in more in your mind because it like you were nervous of getting hurt again, or was it more of um, it, it just your knee was never the same? Um, I don't I don't know. I you want to say it wasn't your mind, but maybe it was a little bit. Um, but it was definitely I just didn't have the bounce that I had. You know, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't ready. Maybe I you know just you know I don't know. But I just knew that you know coming off the field, like I I didn't feel as good about my performance walking off the field as I did the year before, you know, I just didn't feel like uh, the same, like power, the same bounce, the same reaction, maybe, uh, you know, in my head, I'd, I'd like to think that I was confident enough to, you know, I wasn't worried about it going, or it wasn't this, but maybe subconsciously I was tiptoeing a little bit and I wasn't, you know, I was not playing like the reckless abandoned me that usually played the game, you know? So, cause that was, like I, one of my biggest assets as a player was just like sacrificing my body and, and enjoying that like violence and the contact and the, you know, I just really right. loved, I thrived on that. So maybe, you know, not having that same, you know, balls to the wall instinct messed with me, you know, and it's amazing to me too, because there's some guys that have three, four five of these injuries come back, you know, and they're just killing it. Like it never happens. So it, you know, everybody reacts differently. You like, you know, you get in your own head and, you know, was I being soft? Did I handle that like what week? You know, did I not do what's what? How come he could and I couldn't? But I think everybody like, you know, handles it just happens differently in everybody's head. So it was really interesting that I think that was a lot of the grappling. A lot of the wrestling that I did was like not questions about like what I wanted to do or, you know, could I do it? It was, you know, what's going on? Why am I not me? Why? Like what's, you know? that and that was that was strange for me because up until that point I had never had a serious injury so I you know I played hurt and dinged up and you know nobody gets through the game without like some sort of injury but that was like the first surgery first thing and uh it was just it was odd it was all kind of like out of nowhere uh so it was it was really you know different to different to handle and I have to say, selfishly, I asked that for selfish. My oldest has an injury. Um, he's had two pretty big ones. And the first one, when he went back, it took him a little while. It took him a little while to be that guy that, and he plays soccer. <laughs> I know different, but the going up for a header um, in the box was, was his thing. And that's when he got injured. And so it took him a little while. And I remember being like, wow, I, he's actually in his head. And for me as a parent to try to help him get out of that, um, I realized I couldn't, you know, it was something that he had to do on his own. He had to get his confidence back and not be nervous that that was going to happen again. Cause he never felt that kind of pain. So that was a really selfish question that I asked you, um, that way. Cause I just wanted to, you know, kind of get in it because I think for some players it is, it is like you, you, you never get back to the same because it's a mental thing, not a physical thing, but then it also some of them, it is a physical thing, not a mental thing. No, I think like that is the question to ask, like, you know, because it all it all happens in your head, like all, right. of it, you know, so you can't if you can't handle that or if you're struggling with that, it's going to come out in your play. You know, that's like, you know, there's not every uh, every quarterback that's ever performed well is a confident one. You know, that's just how the game works. And so, yeah, you even question a little bit of your confidence it's it's going to show. And so and it's yeah, you know, there's definitely something, you know, you question who why what, what's going on up there and uh that was a new thing for me because you know a short term short memory get back like that's what i you know all it's the kind of player i was 
And so it was different for me to be like, why, where, where'd he go? You know, where's he right. at? So it was, yeah. It's and it really, to yeah, go ahead. Too because like when I look at it you know, from the very beginning, it just seems that with the league, especially all professional sports, there's that timing, there's that talent, there's that opportunity, and you never know how that was going to work for you or against you. And at that particular time, for whatever reason that the Panthers needed that spot at that second, you know, was taking that opportunity away, you know, where you just don't know why. Yeah, you have to look ahead to say, why was the universe making this happen? Because, you know, somehow, some way, one person goes and it has this trickle effect on the, effect on the whole team. And so with with Michael, it was like they didn't have the luxury of giving him more time because something had happened within the organization or with Michael, something was happening inside that he, you know, you just don't know. It's crazy. That's a mother's natural way of questioning things, but yeah. I got cut. I didn't play as well as I did the year before. No, 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 it's I like, know that. But I mean. Know, <laughs> I got cut. It's like, what happened? I didn't, I no, just I wasn't the same guy. So I went, you know, it's just. The, the, those big questions yeah but those big questions are all like those are the ones that are in your head there's the football aspect i never questioned like the why they got rid or this or that because it's the game and you know that going into it everybody right. tells you that the whole way up you know it's a uh, not for long right it's uh you gotta be lucky too uh you, you hear all these sayings you know it's it just is what it is you know it's a it's a cutthroat league and that's how it goes so there's, it's happened to 10,000 guys before me. So, you know, I couldn't question that side of things. The, my questions were more like on me, you know, gotcha. what, you know, gotcha, babe. Mm-hmm. which, just, which is actually special. And I love that you said that because my kids always will sometimes be like, is this mom goggles or like <laughs> real life? And, <laughs> and as parents, we do, I mean, we, you know, we always want to protect our children. That's what, you know, that that's, that's what we were, you know, born to kind of do, but it's also, to let you guys fly um, and and help you through situations. So I love that little interaction there. That was actually really, really, really cool. Um, so now I want to take, because I know we are running over time, but I'm, I'm I, we're not cutting this short because this is the, the meat of the pivot, um, which I, when your mom started telling me a little bit about this, I think is just so, so cool. So after your injury, the Panthers were really great to you. I mean, right? I mean, they, they were yeah. there for you. Um, you know, Leonard Wheeler, can you tell us a little bit about some of that uh, as you were pivoting the league and realizing, okay, this is not my journey anymore? Yeah, he was he was awesome because uh, I had, you know, it took me a little while to accept the fact that the phone wasn't ringing and that, hey, we might actually have to start looking for other things. And that was when I kind of went into like a dark, uh, you know, scatterbrain kind of place where I got, you know, just down on myself and then, you know, just bad habits and, you know, looking for an escape, you know, try, you know, just you go, yeah. you go to a dark, dark place. It was a, I guess you call it a depression, but it was a lot of anger too. It was just, you know, I totally disappeared from myself. I just went a little crazy because it was the one thing like you, that I wanted to do. It was my dream. And it was the only thing I ever really thought about. And, you know, they tell you growing up, they bring people in to talk to you in the, in the locker room or in squ- uh, squad meetings to say, life after football and this and that and you know your school work and I, I, I was a good student I, I did good in school and I took it seriously but like I, it was always like football for me and mm-hmm. even when those guys would come in and talk you'd listen to them but you'd be like what the hell is this guy talking about like this is what I'm doing you know right. and that's also a part of like the training 
in like to be mentally strong to like not question your beliefs or like what you're going to do. Like it's your dream. So yeah, this is how you feel about it. So it was very hard for me to get rid of that confidence and accept the fact that like, that's not me anymore. You know, like that, that whole idea that I had is gone. And so now what the hell are you going to do? And then not to boot, like I never thought about what the hell I was going to do after football, no matter how many people you brought into the room to tell me to think about what I was doing after football. I was not thinking about that, you know, because if I'm thinking about that, then I'm not thinking about playing football. So where's the energy going? And that was kind of like my whole stance the whole way through. So it was kind of like, you know, just blindsided by this thing where I'm not going to play anymore. Now, who the hell am I without this this thing? You know, because football shaped me in so many ways, like from growing up to, you know, the controversies and adversities of it, just to also like how I am when I have passion for something and what I'm like when I don't. And, you know, you kind of it like reintroduces you to yourself and who like what you're all about. So going through that was very wild for me. I think that, that I couldn't handle it. So I escaped with, you know, just partying or, you know, just being out there. Like I was, I went a little wild and uh, it took me a while to figure out like that I had to calm down and that I'm just, this isn't you. You're not going, you're going through it right now. You're like, you're really, you're really fucking going through it. Right. So I had to kind of just deal with that. But, you know, I, at, in that time, I, I did a couple interviews with, you know, for some job opportunities or, you know, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And I had no idea. Like, I, I remember, like, writing down questions on what I was going to ask and then, like, on my way to the thing, like, what what am I asking about? Like, what is this for? Like, you know, I didn't even, like, have an ounce of energy for what for what, for what I was going to sit down and talk about. You know, so it was very interesting to, like, uh, wake up to the fact that you have to kind of discover like something, you know, but that also led me to the, like, you have to do like, even if it's just something little, like you have to like do something, you have to give yourself a purpose day in day out to like climb out of that hole that I, that you put yourself into. And, uh, for me, it was like just trying a whole bunch of things, you know, like I go to work, I would, you know, everything that I didn't like, it was like checking off the list. Okay. So I don't like to do that. It was like a trial and error almost. And then once you eliminate, once I eliminated like the many things that I didn't like about the world that I was now in, it was like, Oh, this is, this is what I'm about. This is what I am. This is, this is, uh, this is, this is what I want to do. So it's kind of like, uh, what people don't talk about or realize is the, the, uh, mindset and the people that you're surrounded by like and what you're used to and Mm -hmm. now like you know you go from a locker room where you're like around like like like-minded guys who feel the same way about like you know team over everything you know pain you know the pain is gain like how to handle stress like just like that that mentality is not here in like the rig like the real world you know it's like there's none of that so you know a lot of the the interviews that I do or got people that I talked to, I just had nothing in common with. It was like, I was like an alien, you know, they -hmm. just didn't see things the way I did. And that was my biggest struggle. Like, where can I find that again? And, you know, can I find that again? So Leonard Wheeler was awesome because he, he, uh, he's obviously handled this before, you know? So he was like a great, like, you know, he was always calling me with, 
options or people to talk to, or, you know, and I remember one time nothing was, you know, I couldn't really figure out anything. And my mom came back, she heard this NPR, uh, what do you call it? NPR episode. And they were talking about ranching and, uh, this goat farm or something. And she was like, it reminded her of me for some reason. And she brought it up and, uh, she brought it up and said something like, uh, well, you just told me about it. And I was like, well, that is so crazy. Like me and my friends <laughs> always joke about like how awesome it would be to live on a farm and to do that. But you know, they stopped joking and I'm like, why aren't we still talking about this? So, you know, we, that was like the first step in like, a Oh, there's a possible life after this, you know, like I could be into something. So scoured the web, found this ranch in Ohio and, uh, just went down there, sent him an email. I'll never forget the email. I, you know, I wanted to meet the owner. It's a 10,000 acre ranch, 3,000 cows. So I was like, if you're going to do it, let's do it big, you know? Um, so I uh, sent him an email. Can I meet with him? This, that. He says, yes, come down tomorrow at, uh, what do you say? Meet me at sun at sunlight. Like, and I was like, when the hell is sunlight? What does that mean? You know? So I was down here. I pulled in at like four in the morning. The stars were still out and I was waiting on his front door. But uh, Leonard Wheeler was great in that because when he found that out, he immediately like, like, you know, started his own little network. And he was like, I have a friend, uh, Lynn, I forget her last name, but she had a ranch, um, like an old, old ranch. They, her family's been doing it forever. So he got me on the phone with her and we started talking and, uh, you know, she seemed kind of like surprised that it was something I wanted to do. And she didn't think I was up for it, I guess, really, when it came down to it. So she was kind of questioning if like I had like that lifestyle in me. So she said to me, uh, you know what, find one near you, get a pair of boots and go to work. And then that was how the whole ranching thing started off and like really kicked it off. So he he's a huge part of my pivot because like from then on, it kind of introduced me to slowly and surely like realizing little things that like, Hey, I could do this lifestyle. I could, you know, this is who I could be. So it was, it was a big deal for me. I love that. And Cynthia, I just want to, because this, even before I said to you, when your husband pivots out of a league and you see the emotions that he takes, and this is, you know, why we wanted to start this one, when I approached you and wanted to talk to you, because I don't think what do I call my myself? The lay person, which <laughs> we said we were going to find a different name for it, but someone that's not in the league. Um, I really got fascinated with the emotions from the player to the family, and I don't think enough people think of that. You know, oh, you see this person out there; they're a professional athlete. Oh, woe is me! They leave the league. But we need to think about the emotions, the mental health. What does that do? And as you know, Michael played football his entire life, right? He, his, you know, your, your husband played his entire life. And then when they had to leave the league, it, it takes a very special person to be able to say, okay, I want to help in, in this way. You know, where I, I need to get the mindset where I can help my spouse. I can help my son um, navigate this. And as, as, a, as a wife versus a mother, what was the difference there? Well, um, well, at this point, um, when Michael went through it, and I had shared this before, he was angry, and right. he, he, and we already talked about that. And so, I was more, you know, just trying to keep the kids. Like we were all trying to keep him going and stay positive. And and I already knew from doing my book that this was going to be a transition, that it was not going to be him forever, and that once he got to the other side, he would be fine. Um, so for Michael V. 
it was like a group effort between my husband and my son, Alex, and myself. And Aiden at the point was in LA, so she wasn't around for it. So we were more like a team. And we were very aware that it was wild that what he was going through. And we were kind of like, we would come in. <laughs> it was like, it was like a museum of craziness. You know, it was like he was taking apart things that were broken at the house and creating new things out of it. Like when you think about that, it's kind of weird, but he, he made all these objects, like these wild objects, like these, um, like, where's my emergency ladder if there's a fire? Oh, it's this bar stool that Michael made that is really <laughs> awesome. That I love it. Like, I want, I want more of them. And then it's like, where's the car jack? Oh, that's, do you see that bookshelf over there? And it kind of jacks up and you've got these books stacked. That's so cool. My son Alex is like, is that my helmet? And the helmet was now a light fixture in the garage. And he was in the garage like this mad scientist person taking stuff and making new stuff out of it. I always looked at that like, that's pretty cool. Like that's his way. Like my husband learned to play the piano. He focused on learning to play the piano. Michael started building things with his hands. Even that, is that an electric chair, Michael, or a throne? Um, in the garage. <laughs> we never could figure that one out. We don't know what it is. Yeah. It's there though. It's there. <laughs> so, um, so we were like, um, you know, very aware and very respectful of what was going on in his head. But also I hope, I hope we were supportive. I hope that, that we were just like, give him that time to get to the other side. And um, knowing that he would get there just like, cause knowing him since he was a kid that he would get there. Um, you know, it's tough though, when you see your kids struggling oh. and it's tough, you know, when you know that they're hurting, but I really do think that I just knew he would get, I just knew he would be fine. And I, I really respected to my, um, my husband and my son, Alex, and Alex already knew from playing college ball that he wanted to do something else right away. He was already doing wine. So it was like for him, really emotional. This is his big brother. Right. What is, what is, you know, he didn't want him to hurt at all ever and he's still like that so um seeing michael go through that and then going to the ranch and he he like he probably won't tell you this but like he lived in a camper he he went to work on the ranch he lived out practically in the wilderness he worked at a um, processing plant i think probably freezing in the winter some of the times he worked at a butcher shop he um you know just kept growing around in the ranch like and just doing all these amazing things so um it was really exciting for us. Michael, tell the story about the day you had to like spin away from that. I, I was oh. just actually just going to, I was just literally <laughs> looking down at my note because I was like, wait, that's something that I wanted to ask. So that I love that you cool. just did that. That had to be really like worlds colliding. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, there was like a 2,500 pound bull in the head shoot. And that's where you like, you know, you give it its shots and take care of it, check up on it. But I was standing in front of it and uh, the owner wasn't paying attention. He opened the front of it and I was like five yards away from this huge bull and it just started charging after me. So I had to like run and dodge it. And, you know, I'd have thought that I would be scared after it, but then I was kind of like, ah, oh, that felt kind of good. Like I got, it had, you know, those, right, those the adrenaline flowing again. I just remember it was a funny memory. I was telling them all about as soon as it happened, you know, just cause it, it felt uh, like something I used to do <laughs> in a way. Right. So it was cool. But, you know, even to go back on what you said about like what you could do as a family, it, like aware, being aware, that's like a, such a great word because that's really all you could do. Like there's it's 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 on the person, you know, right. 
you like you can you have to be supportive and be aware and like see that they're going through but nobody's gonna get through that but you in a way you know and uh it was really cool because they they let me go in 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 a sense and they like accepted the lunatic that i was at the time you know so it was very cool to you know get come out of that and you know everybody's still around and you know there's no questions asked you know kind of you know shows you how your family how much they that support matters that's all that you need from them is like the support you know you can't force anybody into anything you can't change anybody you just have to be aware of who they are where they're at and just support what the hell they're doing you know and you know i had a lot of that which was you know very special to me very i mean so special so i do want to ask a question like if you could give you know two bit of advice to players that are just entering the league or have an injury, you know, we have some people listening and people that are going to listen that are going to go through this. What would you say are your, you know, top two things for them? Um, well, it, you have to stay true to who you are, but the only way to do that is to accept where you're at, you know? Oh, I love that. So it's, it's kind of like, uh, that was the hardest thing for me. I remember I went to like, my mom set me up speaking about being aware and being supportive, but not being able to do anything. I mean, she set up so many things like you could do this, you could go to this, you know, she set up this bridge to success program or, you know, go to the hotel and, and, you know, get lessons from all these awesome people on what you can do and how to do it and where you can go. And what, if you need us, call us. And, and I went to it and I like, barely went to it because I didn't want to accept that I was there. Like I, it was just like, I'm not here. This is, I don't need to be here. What am I doing? Uh, you know? So I didn't like, it was kind of like I locked myself in the hotel room and, and go have lunch with the guys. And I mean, you know, the, the whole thing was awesome. I just didn't use it properly because I didn't want to be honest with myself and say that you're done, you know? So you kind of have to, you have to accept that that's who you are, but you like, it doesn't change anything either. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's a piece of you that, ha you know, it happened and it made you who you are today, but you know, yeah, you're never going to get to do it again, but you got to like stick to those memories and, and your friends and everything that happened. Cause it's a, you know, I'd like to, we were talking about my dad and his struggles. I mean, he played 12 years and then here I am. I like to say that I sniffed the NFL. I played, I played, you know, I went through one camp, one season on IR, and then a half a season on practice squad. I, you know, I don't, I almost hate saying that I was there, like that I, that I played in the NFL, you know. But either way, like I, I always like to think this: like nobody leaves that league happy. Like nobody ever wants to stop playing, you know. Right. So you're gonna like, there's gonna be that battle once it's done on like how to handle it. So I just, I really think that you know, acceptance is a big deal. But that doesn't mean that you like have to give up on yourself. It just means that like, it this is where you are. This is who you are now. And then I guess the other thing would be, uh, like don't be afraid to, like, sacrifice pay for passion. You know, like go try things. Like go go do something new. Like experience. Like get your blood flowing. You know that was that was a big thing for me because I went from you know a solid paycheck even as a undrafted free agent on with a with a cut and pay because of my injury that's still a hefty paycheck every week to you know working on a ranch as a ranch hand at eight bucks an hour living out of a camper 
and I really didn't have any money. But that also almost strips you down and like, you know, get to like really introduces you to you. And I think that that was a big deal for me. You know, just trying things, checking off the list. If you don't like it, don't do it again, but then go try something else. Like I said before, like that really kind of like narrowed things down for me. This is what I like. This is what I absolutely hate. This is, then this, this is probably what I want to do, you know? Yeah. The thing is, is like, you could find a new passion. You could be a new person, but you're always going to want to play the game. Like I still wake up and still want to like be playing the game. I still like have dreams about, you know, the phone ringing and I get picked up and I'm on a team again. You know, I don't think that that is ever going to leave you, but that's not a bad thing. You know, that's like, it's actually like a really good thing. Cause you know it, you know, that feeling you've been there before. So, you know, it doesn't make you a failure. It just, you know, it was a part of your life that doesn't exist anymore, but it's still a part of who you are. So I just, you know, I think a lot of people go through the self-doubt and the, like the misery and, you know, it's really easy to question yourself and get down on yourself and, and you're going to have to do that. It's the only way to like get out of it or like heal from it is to do all of that stuff. That Maybe that's the third point is like, don't be afraid to like, like, don't be afraid if you're going, if you're down in the dumps, that's totally normal. Like you're allowed to feel that it's, you know, right feelings are feelings there's nothing wrong with them so you can you can go you can go to those places just be aware of it i love that and you know what i think it's one thing that you touched on oh i just hit my microphone sorry if that just hit anyone's ears one of the things that you said and i think it's so important because i teach my kids this all the time it's okay to know what you don't you like what what you're you don't know what you're supposed to do, right? They're, you know, my son's in high school now and he's like, mom, they say like, you know, I need to pick a track and what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's better to know what you don't want to do. And sometimes when you figure out those things that you don't want to do, it leads you to the thing that you're meant to do. But, you know, we're, we're you're young, we're young. We don't, we're, we don't know. So I love that you touched on that and saying that to the, you know, people that are going to be in the league, getting out of the league, injured in the league, that try everything because you're going to find out what you don't like and what you don't want to do. And that's going to lead you to the thing that, you know, you're meant to do and that you want to do. Absolutely. I think it's like, it's okay to try new stuff and it's okay to realize that you don't like it. It's like, that's, it's totally normal that it's an experience. I, I, I draw a lot of my, like, I would say knowledge or like lessons from experience. It's just how I am. It's, and I think that the only way I'm going to know wholeheartedly about something is if I do it or if I've done it or, you know, if I've experienced it and, you know, again, like, pain is a great experience to have. It's like a good thing. You just have, it's all about how you approach it, you know, mm -hmm. and you're allowed, again, accept it, like be hurt about it. You know, that's, I think that that is like one thing that we as guys really suck at, you know, we just always want to like be the tough guy or like, you know, just act like it didn't happen or not. That doesn't hurt. That doesn't, you know, whatever, but you know, that only, that only makes it worse down the road. You know? Right. Cause you're so, stuffing it. And that's right. my big thing. That, Don't stuff it because it's going to come out somewhere. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And then it, there's like this aha moment when you're just honest about it, where you're like, you know, you go through a lot of like little lies in your head when you try to hide something and you just act like everything's good. You're like, you're playing a part and you're not yourself. You know, it's like you're, you're, you're just putting on a face for the public instead of like being yourself. And I think that that's because you're just of all those little lies and all that acting, you know, but then <laughs> you get to like this point where you just say like where you're at, who you are, like, and that honesty, 
is so much easier. And then you're just like, wow, that's, that's it. Like it's that easy. You know what I mean? Like there's no, I don't have to like follow up on that or come up, you know? And, and I, I think that that's a big thing is like, you know, just being honest about, you know, where you're at, who you are and, you know, you're figuring things out. It's not an easy thing to do. The thing for me was realizing that like, I wasn't the only one to ever do it. You know, there's been a lot of guys that have gone through it too. And I think that like, in my case, I'd like it to at least get out to, you know, all those other guys that were just free agents or got cut in the first week of camp and, and then never got to play again because they still had that 18, 20 years of dreaming, just like everybody else, you know? So leaving the game after 12 years, yes, absolutely hard. Leaving the game that, you know, after a week is just as hard. Like there's a lot of guys like me in that sense that, you know, I feel like we especially go through like that, uh, that like stormy weather where we question or we question whether, you know, we were good enough or like, could we have done it? And it's not that it's just like, you know, shit happens and you just like, it's more so moving on with your dream, but you know, not killing yourself over it. Yeah. I think that's so beautiful, Michael. Um, and again, I've just, I love this so much. I would love for you to tell people where they can find you and what you're doing right now. Yeah. So, um, I'm still on the ranch in Caddis, Ohio, but, uh, partnered with the owner now and opened up my own um, meat processing plant. It's called Fancy Meats, uh, fancy-meats.com. Um, and we're just kind of getting off the ground, getting going. I'm really excited about it. I think it has a lot of potential, but uh, it's just, you know, it kind of all came full circle and now, you know, making my way to it. And even now, like I'm doing, I want, what I want to do is be a landowner on a ranch and, and run a ranch. But in order to do that, I need to, have a ranch and this is kind of a step so here i am locked away in like a little meat processing plant working inside every day which you know that's not my passion but it's something that will get me to that passion so there's still that still goes on i think like throughout your entire life you gotta like sacrifice a little bit of something to get what you want and then yes but uh you're just keeping like that confidence and you know just that understanding of yourself is a big deal I love that. Cynthia, you don't have your headphones in, but did you want to add something? Oh, yeah. I was running low on battery. Um, oh, yeah. No worries. There you are. I didn't know that I, if we could hear well, you. Yep. Perfect. No, it's fine. It's um like for us as a family, um, uh, you know, Ohio Land and Cattle and Michael being on the ranch, going out to visit him, watching him navigate the land. Like it's crazy how it seems like so natural. And for us to see him do something that brings him so much joy that he's like he's just a natural with the animals it's like he's a natural just even in the processing you know we've witnessed every step of it and he's done pretty much everything on the ranch and then you know it's like uh, yeah it's like all you want is for anybody that has to let go of something that they love to find something else that they love um another passion there's so many things out there and i love that idea of just you know working to find it and understanding that in that journey, it doesn't mean that you fail if you don't like things that you're doing. It just means that wasn't for you. And Russell Shepard said that in an interview that we did with him, where he was like, he had to stop looking at things like he was failing, but just that those weren't the things for him. And now he has his own like big waste management company. And I think that's important for 
these players to know and families to know that it is a, it, it, it might take a little bit of time, but boy, when you get there and you can just be content, you know, just that's all the whole family wants. That's why I get so excited. And so I was glad that Michael could come on today to share that because there are a lot of kids that are going to go through the transition, whether it's this year or next year. So. Yeah. And I think it's so beautifully said that you said that. And I also want to say all the stuff that you're learning, you're learning how to, you know, humanely raise these cattle and, 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 um, and feed them correctly and and do the right thing to make the best meats. And that is something for me, it's important for me to say that because I know there's people that, you know, are vegans or pescatarians that don't eat meat and don't understand it. And the fact that you're learning the, you know, the craft of how you can best, support the animals and raise them and have a relationship with them and and do all that I think is really cool. And I remember your mom saying that to me. And I was like, that's so special that, you know, where your journey has led you and all the different things. And of course, I love that your mom was like, hey, listen, you know, I'd listen to this NPR because I do this to my kids all the time. And half the time, I don't think they're listening. I mean, they're still young. So I'm hoping that one day that I'll have them on stage or they'll say something like, you know, mom, yeah, it was you that gave me the idea. Um, Because that is one thing that is so special as a parent to know that you are there supporting your kids. And as your mom said, Sometimes you just need to be support there and, and they so they know that you're there, but you can't change the trajectory of what their life is meant to be. And so the fact that you guys have this special relationship, you can feel it. I mean, you can feel all the excitement in, and this is what I love to talk about, in all of the things that you talked about, you can hear where you're excited and you can hear you know, where you're going is, um, is just a special place. So I just want to thank you so much, you know, for joining YNS live with NFL thread pivot, um, because it is going to help so many people to listen to your story and stories connect us. As I said earlier, they connect us, but they also allow us to learn and grow and, and your story is going to help others. I mean, I know Eric is in the, in the audience right now and she takes, took a lot out of this. Um, and Eric, I'm sorry if I'm putting words into your mouth, but, you know, her son just got into the league. So it's like, okay, I'm aware. I know what to kind of expect. And we can't prepare ourselves for everything, but the knowledge, when you have knowledge, it really can take you uh, far. So again, I appreciate it so much for you taking the time. Yep. Go ahead, Cynthia. Before you stop, I do want to definitely mention that even though Michael went into the bridge to success with one foot in, <laughs> <laughs> it is an amazing program and it did lead all the conversations with Leonard Wheeler. So I want to say that um, if anybody is you know, going through um, transition or has something that they love that is going through tr- transition right now, the program's name has changed just now, Life Beyond the Game. But um, Keith Elias does a wonderful job heading up that program. So you can either go onto your player portal at players.nfl.com to find it. It's coming this October. Um, or you can actually email Keith directly at keith.elias. It's E-L-I-A-S at nfl.com. So if you know anybody that is in the middle of transition or maybe they're out 10 years and you still feel like they would benefit from the program, what I loved about them is that they're like, no matter if it was, um, you know, you sign a contract, you sign a contract, you're in. You made it to the highest level. You are part of that 1%. And we're here to remind you of that and who you are as a group. And Michael, um, you shared with me that whereas you just didn't like people talking at you at that particular time in your life, the breakout sessions were really awesome for you to be with your peers to talk real. Yeah, no, the whole program is awesome. I just didn't take advantage of it because I didn't want to accept that I was in it. But the... Oh. 
the breakout sessions were the part that I really walked away from. Like that was awesome because you got in a room with a bunch of guys that, you know, were going through the same thing you were and you just talked with each other, you know, ask one question and then let the room go where it goes. And I got so much out of that. It was just kind of refreshing to hear, you know, guys talking about the same issues that I was having. Like, you know, I go to a, a meeting and I just don't, I, I don't like being around the people I'm around because I don't like the way they're thinking. Or I, you know, there's like that lack of connection or understanding with your environment. It was, it was cool to, to, it was good to know that like, I'm not insane and that these guys are going through this too, you know? So that, that, that kind of like, uh, you know, what, what would you call that? Even just that community effect there mattered a lot to me. I love it. I love it. Well, again, thank you so much for joining YNS Live with NFL Thread Pivot. I am so honored that I've known you when you were a little, little bird, and I can still remember you with your jersey and your football always running, always at top speed. And, um, you know, Aiden and Alex as well. I mean, you guys do have such a special family and such you know, special place in my heart. And I love what your mom and I are creating and what we're doing. And um, I'm so happy to be reconnected. And as I said, I always talk about you meet people in your life. Sometimes it's, you don't see why that, you know, that introduction or that relationship is there. Sometimes relationships are just relationships, but sometimes those relationships grow bigger and they allow you to do stuff that, you know, your mom and I are doing. And so um, I'm just, again, honored for you to join everyone. Thank you. Wherever you're listening, if you're listening on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, if you're here in Fireside, if you're listening to the replay, definitely reach out if you guys have more questions, because this is an important thing. Um, don't let someone just be alone that's going through this. Be there to support them. Let them know that there is support because it is, if you really deeply think about that um, pivoting out of the league is whether it's NFL, any sort of high level something, it is going to do something to your brain. It doesn't matter how stable you are, you're going to go through something. So the fact that there's support is really important to talk about. So Cynthia, thank you as always. And uh, Michael, thank you so much. No, thank you. This was awesome. And uh, good luck with everything with this. It's, you guys, it's going to a good place. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to put a little music on. Uh, oh, <laughs> wow. That's really slow. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Yeah, like a little, it's like a little piano there. Well, usually it's a little bit more upbeat, but again, thank you for everyone that joined and we will see you guys for another amazing show, whether it's YNS Live with NFL Pivot or whether it's YNS Live with NFL Thread, you will catch Cynthia and I here in the next coming weeks. So definitely don't forget to check out our um, agenda and RSVP to the next show. All right, everyone. Bye. We'll see you. Thank you. Bye, Michael. Bye -bye. So good to see your face. Bye -bye.